Hi everybody, and uh, welcome back to uh, Precast. This is uh, Precast episode two. Uh, my name is Preed Derva, or at Preed Derva on Twitter, or sometimes people just call me Preed. And I'm here with my co-host. Hi, I'm John Baruby. Uh, that's at, at John Baruby on Twitter, J O N B A R U B Y. Anime fan since uh, early mid 2000s, and I'm just seen a lot of shows, and I'm here co-hosting the podcast with Preed Derva here. Yeah, I've uh, I've been a anime fan uh, most of my life uh probably since i was a little kid definitely back into the uh the 90s the uh early and uh mid 90s uh but anyway we're uh gonna cover some uh news stories some twitter controversy some things going on on the internet about you know in the anime community and uh then john's gonna probably uh, talk a little bit about the new season uh the anime that's uh currently uh streaming right now and then we'll get to reviewing uh two good anime movies uh we'll be reviewing uh judge and uh summer wars so uh, i guess i'll start off with uh say probably uh the least interesting story but uh the big thing that was going around on the internet uh on the twitter verse as i call it uh people were recently talking about uh four kids entertainment and people maybe now i mean it's the year 2021 maybe no one even knows who the heck four kids entertainment is oh god yeah that's a name you don't hear much these days (laughs) yeah yeah They've kind of gone the way of the dinosaur. I, I think they're actually bankrupt right now. They're they're gone. I think they're completely shut. Yeah, I think they did go everything. bankrupt. Yep. Yeah. And uh, anyway, people on Twitter were talking about them. Uh, again, this is uh, one of the controversies that I feel always comes up. Comes up every month. Uh, we always have the same couple of conversations. Uh, in in this this case about I believe uh, censorship. Uh, just uh, I'll tell you my my. My, you know, two cents about uh, Four Kids and a little bit background information about Four Kids. Four Kids is a American company that used to license a, a lot of anime for kids, children's anime. Uh, they're most known for like Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh, One Piece. Uh, I think they did Dinosaur King, a few other shows. Uh, I think they're infamous for having dubs that are, I don't know, uh, subpar. <laughs> yeah, well, it's not <laughs> just the dubs. Said. They did. A, they made a lot of edits to shows too, like One Piece. When they, they, uh, there's one character who constantly has a cigarette in his mouth, and they edited it to make it a lollipop. And uh, yeah. I think in Yu-Gi-Oh, like the, the in scenes where characters point guns, they just made it finger pointing. Finger guns. Yeah, they, they made the finger pointing. Yeah, they were pointing their fingers at Pegasus. I'm gonna get you. Oh, I know, and we can't forget the famous jelly donuts when they're actually onigiri rice balls. Oh, he, yes, in Pokemon. Oh my god, yes. Every time it was a different, it was jelly donuts and then it was something else. Marshmallows, I think, one time. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so they're known for doing a lot of editing, a lot of censoring. Uh, some of their dubs have corny voices, uh, uh, name changes, of course, uh, plot changes. Uh, then they change the music. Uh, some anime, they did a decent job with the music, like it's like Pokemon, maybe Yu-Gi-Oh! But then they have One Piece, which just had a terrible, terrible rap uh, opening that just, it's just like grating to the ears. <laughs> yeah, the one, that one. Oh, no, I've heard, I've heard the, uh, the four kids One Piece opening, and every time I hear that, I'm just like, the the original Japanese one is just so much better. Why couldn't they just like if they if they took that and made an English version of that song? That would have been so good. Why couldn't they just do that? Yeah, I would have liked them to do that. You know, 
uh, I hate how they did. They I guess they thought, well, rap is the cool new thing. I don't know yeah. like, what year. Like, I mean, 2002. Poke- <laughs> I mean, for Pokemon, they, they did that. They took that route with it. It's a completely different song, but that was a good song. I, and I don't know. With One Piece, it's just they, they thought it would be good, and it didn't. It wasn't. <laughs> so. Yeah, I guess you can't always write a hit. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I, li- I like the Pokemon opening. That that came out pretty good. Oh yeah, the American Pokemon opening is amazing, and I mean I, that's w- one of my gateways into anime. We, 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 probably was the first anime I watched uh, as a kid when I was just I would watch it every morning waiting when I was waiting for the bus to get to school. Yeah. See, I, I used to, I used to do that too, and I think then it, it played after school around like three thirty or something like that. I used to c- rush home after school to try to catch Pokemon. You know, it's a big thing. All right, and uh, I do think actually they they had a they had a you know not amazing dub but a, a a good dub on Pokemon compared to like the Nintendo Pokemon Company dub like they took over years later and and their dub is just I don't know it just doesn't do it for me the the, the maybe it's nostalgia talking but the four kids dub on that one actually isn't that bad I I enjoyed it although you know people complain about the name changes and the plot changes and the censoring but as far as the acting goes it, it was wasn't bad it's pretty good at times it might be my nostalgia goggles talking but yeah I never had a problem with the English dub yeah the, I mean obviously yeah yeah the four kids uh, English dub and they, obviously it's not perfect but you know it was good for the time it was you know better than uh, I think the the new company that took over for that. Uh, and, you know, my, my opinion on four kids is, you know, they're, they're great for getting people into anime. I mean, they definitely got a lot of people into anime. I think that was a good thing. And they got people to buying the anime merchandise and buying the anime VHS tapes and the DVDs and getting people excited about anime. And, and, you know, maybe some of that is because, you know, they kind of Americanized quote unquote, you know, the anime. So people didn't think it was, it was that foreign back then. And yeah, they did make plot changes and they tried to make it you know pg when you know sometimes the anime would have guns in it like you said uh but that way they could air it on on tv for kids and get the kids excited about it so i'm i, I mean it's hard to argue with the results i'm I'm so glad that they got people into anime and i'm so glad they got people excited about it and but i'm i'm, I'm still super happy that they really no longer exist and they're not really tainting anime anymore <laughs> yeah i mean back then it was probably essential to maybe make a few changes to get this, to get the shows on TV because like things you couldn't talk about on TV were like, in, especially in kids shows, we're doing the concept of death, and so that's why we had the Shadow Realm with Yu-Gi-Oh instead of the characters dying. You know, they just went to the Shadow Realm. Um, so I mean, it was it was probably necessary back then to engage in these kinds of censorship, and I would say it was kind of a blessing in disguise because these kinds of things did help anime get popular in the U.S. Um, uh, but, you know, fast forward to today, it's really not necessary anymore. Plus, everyone knows if you're doing it because of the internet. So, yeah. 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 So, I, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a thing of its time, the 90s, early 2000s, and it, I think it worked out well then. And, you know, we're all kind of happy that we kind of get our uncensored anime now, and the dubs are more literal and uh, definitely better acted than, like, four, uh, four Kids One Piece dub, which was pretty terrible. Yeah, generally better acted. There's a few exceptions, but yes. (laughs) Yeah, generally. I mean, we we got a couple that are like, bleh, but you know, uh, generally modern dubs are are a lot better than the four kids dubs and uh, they're not changing names anymore and they're not editing songs. Although sometimes I kind of, it's kind of interesting when they, when they come out with their own songs, like we were just talking about earlier. Uh, Funimation used to do that too years ago, back in the day, they, they came out with their Dragon Ball songs and their, uh, 
what is it, a case closed. They came up with a really good case closed song, and it, pretty much they just translated the song into English, and it had an English act, a voice actor do the song, and it came out really brilliant, I thought. So sometimes it's kind of cool to hear both versions of the songs. Yeah, and more recently, like, they did that with Cells at Work, I remember. Like, they premiered the English uh, version of the opening song at a con, which is rare these days. They, they never translate songs anymore these days. But with, they did it with Cells at Work, and it was really good. It came out really good. Oh, wow, I didn't hear about that. I did not know that. I'll have to check that out. Because uh, it's it's interesting when they do uh, songs, and when they come out good anyway, unlike the One Piece stuff. And, you know, so that's kind of one thing that we do lose with that, but... Uh, uh, like I said, I- I'm super happy that they got kids and, and teens and everybody into anime and in- into buying the anime and into watching it on TV. And I-, I, yeah, so, you know, you can definitely point to them as a major contributor as to why the anime market is the way it is today and why we have so many fans today. And one other interesting point I want to bring up is a, a company that uh, did- released the anime we talked about last week, uh, A Wind Named Amnesia, and the, co- and, uh, the anime that we're going to talk about today, Judge. Uh, that an- that anime company is uh, Central Park Media. They were given an opportunity to handle Pokemon uh, originally, and they passed up on it because it was a long series, and they, they knew it was popular in Japan, but they didn't know if it would be popular in America. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, th- I think that was a major, <laughs> major... Uh, major oversight, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But if they would have dubbed it and released it, they definitely would have done a very literal translation, so I don't know if maybe it would have been as popular as it was with four kids. So just interest, uh interesting thing to uh, ponder on there. So, uh, I mean, that's all I have to say about 4Kids, and that was uh, the big uh, topic of the day in Twitter. Do you have anything else to add about them? Well, what's, like, the actual story with 4Kids? You said something about uh, cover art that they're changing? Oh, no, that was the that was the other story. So, the, oh, I I'm don't sorry. really know... <laughs> yeah, that's okay. Just but I don't really notes. know why. Yeah, yeah, sorry about that. But I don't really know why, but everyone was talking about 4Kids, and I think it was just the nostalgia train getting on okay. and everyone was, yeah... Everyone was thinking back to, you know, oh, four kids, and we miss them, or we hate them, or remember all the editing they did, and... Yeah, it was probably just a conversation going on on Twitter, and uh, especially, maybe it has something to do with, like, the recent happenings, because Funimation's recently been accused of changing a few lines, and it's, it's usually, like, small lines here and there, but sometimes, you know, some of the fans get upset about these kinds of things because they change the meaning of the sentence, or they inject some social politics or whatever it seems like they're doing sometimes, which is, you know, that it, it's not free that seems to happen but it does happen uh and it does oh, yes, upset some people yes. so that might be related to maybe that led into a conversation about four kids yeah i think that's what got the comment you're right so you remember better than me that's what got the conversation started is people were saying oh funimation they changed this line or they put this meme into the subtitle track or they 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 changed this word in here and they try to make it hip and cool and people were saying they're changing things. They're just like four kids now. And, yeah, and I wouldn't make I wouldn't make that comparison. That's a little extreme, but I mean, yeah, I don't I don't agree with changing things like that. I think I think it's kind of best in most cases. I mean, there's always exceptions. It depends on the context, but in most cases, you probably should just keep it as close to the Japanese as possible. I know that's not always possible because of nuances and stuff. I mean, there's a lot of differences between the English and Japanese language, but. Keep it as close as possible. Don't put stupid memes in there. Like it, and one of the the recent, most recent thing this this came up yesterday, in the Nagatoro anime, uh, in the first episode they added sus the sus. word sus yeah sus yeah that that's <laughs> that's a that. meme from the Among Us game and they put that in the fucking uh, the subtitles and everyone's <laughs> like oh, come on now. 
<laughs> yeah, I, 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 it's funny that that came up too. But yeah, I think last week or two weeks ago when they ta- started talking about four kids, uh, it was something else that Funimation did put into one of the subtitle tracks. And now we have this sus thing going on, which it, it's kind of cringy because, you know, like when you look back on this 10 years from now, is anyone going to use the word sus anymore? I don't exactly. Know. Like, yeah, when come 10 years from now, maybe even five years from now, people are going to be like, what the hell does sus mean? I mean, they might yeah. they might figure out that it's short for suspicious, but it's not it's not going to be on the meme level it is now. So they got to yeah. you know, think about how this stands. That how is this going to stand? That's the time. Are people going <laughs> to know know what you mean five years from now, ten years from now? So yeah, it's a little uh, crazy. And- yeah, I do think that people making that comparison, that's kind of what started it off. And then everybody was going on the nostalgia train with 4Kids. But that that comparison is insane because obviously Funimation's nothing like 4Kids. No, nothing. <laughs> but nothing somehow like that people, yeah, some, somehow people made that comparison and then we went down, they, then people started going down on that nostalgia train. Oh yeah, I, I, one more thing I, I thought I could say is uh, I do, you were saying how, you know, you should try to... Uh, not have the memes and not have like current slang into the subtitle track or the dub track. And uh, I, I remember watching an interview of uh, Matt Greenfield. He's uh, one of the head guys that, well, he was one of the head guys at ADV and now he's one of the head guys at Sentai. And he's also a, a dub director. And he says he always tries to make the dubs and the subtitle tracks and when he works on them, you know, stand the test of time. Like you said, like, is this word going to be like, seen as, like, slang that you don't use anymore? Or is this dub going to hold up 10, 15 years from now? Because people are still going to watch the anime then. So he always would look at the show and, like, will this hold up in the future? Yep. And actually, this reminds me of this discussion. Um, I know this wasn't in our show notes, but I just want to mention briefly, one of the big, one of the biggest things that came out of the news recently, um, and this is kind of related to the whole concept of dubbing and uh, changing content, so, um, you know Harmony Gold? You know, the whole Harmony Gold thing with Macross? Oh, yes, and Macross, yes. Yeah, so Harmony Gold, uh, I didn't, don't know the full, I, I don't know the legal mumbo-jumbo, but apparently they no longer have the full rights to Macross. Some company called Big West now has the rights to it, and they're going to be releasing the newer Macross series. So for, for, for those who don't know the backstory, years back, a company called Harmony Gold licensed uh, Macross, the whole series of Macross. They created a show... By splicing together scenes and redubbing and doing their own thing, they basically took Macross, pieced it together into a new show called Robotech. Um, and I am not a Macross fan, so I, I, I apologize if I'm getting things wrong. So I'm just speaking from what I've heard at panels and from what I've read on Twitter. So, uh, but um, actually, I, I am part of a, I'm kind of a Macross fan. I've seen Macross Frontier, but aside from that. This company, Harmony Gold, has kind of just held on to Macross for years and years and years. They they see and D any kind of fan projects that come out of this. Uh, they did they did allow a board game to be released recently, so that was one exception. But for the most part, they just kind of sat on this Macross license, not doing anything with it. And um, finally, well, actually, well, so they kind of sat on this license, and then shows new shows were coming out, Macross Frontier, and then also even more recently, Macross Delta came out, and we didn't get them because Harmony Gold has a license. They're not going to let Crunchyroll have it. They're not going to let Funimation have it. They just they want that license. They're grasping onto it. But for some reason, they're not, they're not releasing the shows. So everyone hates uh, Harmony Gold. The, you know, the whole fuck you, Harmony Gold is kind of a thing on Twitter. If you just, just search fuck you, Harmony Gold, and you'll get tons of tweets. Um, uh, but it seems they've lost the license or something happens, and now a company is going to be releasing the newer Macross series. So we'll finally get Macross Frontier, Macross Delta, and anything else that's come out uh, more recently. 
And that's that's amazing. I think that's really good for Macross fans. Because um, the until now, the only way to watch those shows um, is is through illegal illegal fan subs. So. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that I heard that was awesome news. I, I was super excited about that. I mean, I love the original Macross, and I, I have the ADV uh, DVDs, which uh, probably the only way to really get it legally anymore, and those are great. And my understanding of the whole legal mumbo-jumbo, and it, it's complicated even for, for, I think, legal experts to understand what the hell is going on with their licensing there, but... Uh, my understanding is Harmony Gold licensed it, it back way back in the 80s, and they got some crazy deal on it because back then no one in America was licensing anime, and it was like they had like the license on it like forever and a day, like they'll never lose the license, and they have like such control over anything even related to the anime that they turned into Robotech, and I think they took three shows, but the main one was Macross, mm-hmm. and so. Uh, anything even related to that they have some like perpetuary rights over it and they can deny other people from even licensing it so i I think that's kind of the deal and i think they made a deal with this what was the name of that company big what big west big west yep yeah i think they made a deal with big west and someone said maybe funimation's involved in this behind the scenes too and uh so i think they're going to split the the costs of uh releasing it here and then they're going to split the revenue that they make off of it i mean it makes more sense i mean why the hell are they sitting on this you know property that can make them money and they're just not letting anybody do anything with it yeah and it's weird because like we've had so walkure is the the idol group from macross delta and they've done concerts here in the u.s at anime expo there are absolutely fans here of macross delta who have seen the anime through less than legal means because that's the only way to see it um and I personally haven't seen it yet. I should watch it because it's, it's an idol series. I probably would like it. Um, but, uh, yeah, but now finally Macross fans will be able to actually enjoy these series le- legit. And it's it's great. Maybe there'll uh, be official merch coming out. Maybe they will get more concerts from Walkure And hopefully uh, Macross Fr- the Macross Frontier Seiyu. Uh, who's that? Um, uh, oh, I can't remember. Nagumi, Nagumi Nakajima and Maine. Are the two girls from Macross Frontier? So yeah, hopefully, uh, maybe we'll see them some more. That'll be nice. Yeah, that would be nice. And I, I, I know I'm really excited about being able to see Macross Frontier. I've never watched it because it's not really available here legally, and I would love to see it. So if they ever release the Blu-ray on that, whoever releases it, they definitely got a purchase from me. I've always wanted to see that. So yeah, it's great news for Macross fans. The original Macross is a is a pretty good series. I I love it. Uh, I you know I'm not a huge Macross fan. I know there's people that are way way into it, probably way more than me. But it, it's a pretty good show, and uh, it's fun, and uh, you know I enjoy it. And it's really good music in it too. Yeah, it's it's kind of like it's it's a combination of of uh, music with uh, Mecca, and that's kind of what what Macross has always been about, even since the beginning. So it's uh yeah it's it's a, it's a unique take on the Mecca genre. And I, I kind of like it how they how it combines music with that. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, I think it works. Uh, music saves the world. I think is the meme everyone talks about with Macross, right? Yep. Singing sings the world, something like that. Yep. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, so <laughs> that's good news. Um, all right. Uh, the other th- big controversy on Twitter, the other big story that's going around, and and this is uh kind of not really news either, but definitely controversy, definitely big thing, is, uh, well, I'll tell you the story, and then I'll, I'll hear your input on it. There's this guy, I won't I won't bring up names, because I don't want, you know, people to get annoyed at me, but there's this guy who, uh, on Twitter, and he supposedly contracts with Viz Media, uh, they release Naruto, and Bleach, and Baruto, and I don't know, a bunch of other shonen anime, Death Note, they have a, uh, right, those types of anime, uh, what are, I think they're doing Sailor Moon now too, right? 
so they, they release those those types of anime, uh, and he contracts with them, and he does DVD art, and I don't know if he does manga art, uh, artwork, but I think I think it is the DVD artwork and certain uh, sketches and, and things like that and related to the DVDs and Blu-ray releases. So anyway, uh, he saw the discotheque uh, release of Rosa Versailles or Lady Oscar, I think is the name they're, they're going with there. Uh, he saw the DVD or actually the Blu-ray uh, cover of that. And he thought he could do a better job, which, you know, sometimes uh, DVD arts uh, or Blu-ray arts are kind of ugly. And, you know, a lot of times I have seen some fans do awesome jobs of recreating it, right? And they do these really cool jobs. So he thought he could do a better job. And he uh, posted a a tweet with what uh, the original uh, Blu-ray cover looked like and then what his cover looked like. Uh, And he, uh, you know, at discotheque media uh told them oh okay, i can kind of do a better job but the kind of way he said it was very disrespectful kind of uh, like uh <laughs> I, I know <laughs> yeah, this type of, like... i know this type of person you you get this with this this has started um this reminds me of another tweet when uh i think when xenoblade chronicles i forget which one it's the, new, the newer one uh on the switch came out and there's this is a character named pyra that um who wears very provocative revealing clothing and uh, someone tweeted at Nintendo and was like, "Hey, I fixed her. Please hire me, Nintendo." Um, oh yeah, I remember and that. It's, yeah, and it was just like really disrespectful to the artist, to Nintendo, and everyone just was like, "Come on, this is stupid." <laughs> yeah, it, it's very similar to that, I think. Uh, you yeah, know, and like but... I said, I understand where he's coming from because sometimes DVD art is not the best, but there are reasons for this, and. Uh, uh, Justin Savakis, who uh, used to be the big guy at uh, ANN, but now he's working for Discotech, uh, he he commented on Twitter, he got into it, and he was like, well, you know, everything needs to be approved by the Japanese, and they're on top of us, and also, he thinks that their DVD art, or their Blu-ray art cover, it actually came out pretty good, and I looked at it, and I was like, yeah, I, I, I think it's fine, it looks fine, I don't see anything really wrong with it, that you would want to change it, and uh, so, he, and he said, you know what, this is a very disrespectful way of you know, try, if you want to work for us, this is not the way to go about it. You know, there are nicer ways to do this than to try to shame us into hiring you. Yeah, don't, don't, be, uh, don't be scummy about it. You know, if you want, you want to show off your work, that's one thing. But if you're going uh, to be smug about it, then don't expect anyone to hire you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and so then after that, things escalated even further. Uh, I love the Twitter drama. Maybe I shouldn't uh, be so no, into this. <laughs> it always gets but, blown out on Twitter because Twitter is just the worst. <laughs> yes. So the Twitter drama escalated further when the official Discotech, uh Twitter account responded and said, thank you, but no thanks. Uh, we're happy <laughs> with our artwork and, you know, we're really not interested in hiring you. <laughs> oh, God. You know, the thing... Okay, so this is the thing where I'm like, they, they, they had the option to not respond and they probably should have just said nothing. Because now they're yeah. just making it even worse. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's kind of how I feel. I mean, like, if you would have at Sony or at Funimation, I think they would have ignored you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you would I, not have responded. Oh, I'm, I'm pretty sure Funimation has me uh, has me muted or something, because <laughs> they don't like me. I Let me tell you. They don't like... I, I, I tweeted at them a lot during the Love Live movie, that whole fiasco. They basically, long story short, they fucked up the Love, the Love Live Sunshine movie release in the U.S. But I'll, I won't get into the details of that. But yeah, I'm pretty sure they had me muted because of that. <laughs> yeah, but you see, uh, they wouldn't, like, respond. I mean, I, in a way that was a little unprofessional. Uh, and definitely raised the stakes. Now, I, I definitely side with Discotech. I think they're totally right. But the way that they approached the tweet, I mean, they just escalated the situation. They're not, not really a 
you know, maybe professional way for the company to handle it. I, I, it's okay for Justin Savakis to do it because, you know, that's his personal Twitter account. But when the official Twitter account of Discotech gets involved, now you raise the stakes even higher. <laughs> yeah, it's, and this is a new, this is like a new thing with like companies on Twitter, like having opinions. Um, like just recently, I, what was it? There was this um, Stakeum, the, the fucking Stakeum brand went after Neil deGrasse Tyson. Did you see this? <laughs> No, I didn't see so, this one. Neil, this Neil, deGrasse Tyson, Neil deGrasse Tyson tweeted tweeted something he always says. He said, uh, "Science is true, whether or not you believe in it," which is okay, good thing to say. And Stakeum just went at went went on him for some reason, and then, and just like, what the fuck, Stakeum? Wow, that's that's really weird. <laughs> that's kind of like how the Burger King on like National Women's Day was like get in the kitchen to women or something. Yeah, like uh, yeah, yeah. Like, okay, you you have one job, brands, and that is to sell your product. Stop with the political opinion, political, social, whatever. Stop with your opinions and just just sell your thing, all right? That's all you have to do. You know, like, if anything, that's going to push people away from going to Burger King. It's not going to work. But uh, anyway, the Twitter controversy does not end here because the artist, who I, I, I won't name him, but the artist responded to Discotex tweet because th- because things need to just escalate even further. Oh, boy. <laughs> And he said that, uh, you know, if the way uh, the way that his tweet read was like, yeah, he's not going to let this go. And that kind of like, I think Discotech said, oh, you know, you did that in Photoshop in five minutes or something like that. And so he was offended that they said, oh, it was oh like God. five minutes because he worked on it longer than that. And he still thinks his cover was better. And that it was very disrespectful the way that he treated back to them. But then he ends it with sincerely, blah, blah, blah. Oh, my God. That's, that's crazy. Yes. So then everyone on Twitter was, of course, making fun of him for ending his tweet with sincerely. It's like, <laughs> sincerely, go fuck yourself, you know? Cause... Yeah, yeah, That's that just comes off as really just fuck off, yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, and then everyone, of course, who's anyone in the Twitterverse uh, had a comment on that. I believe Mike Tool, he's always getting involved. He, he gave his two cents on it. You know, we already had Justin Savakis and a few other people, I think, uh, Who's the guy from, uh, the guy that always does the, uh, old anime, 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 uh, World Order, that guy, he got involved. Oh, uh, Daryl Surratt. Yeah, Daryl Surratt, I think he had his two cents in there as well. So, that was the huge Twitter controversy of the, you know, week, I guess. <laughs> That's crazy, oh my god. Yeah, it's, again, just these, these, if, you, if you're a brand on Twitter, your official brand, if you want to say something on your personal account, fine, do do whatever you want. Uh, you know, but if you're a, if you're a brand account, just stick with selling your product. That's 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 all you got to do. Yeah, and I like I said, I think Discotech's right. I mean, this guy was incredibly rude to them. Oh, they were right. Perhaps, yes. Perhaps the better way for a company or a brand to handle it is just ignore when people are incredibly rude to you. I don't know. What the hell do I know? Uh, oh, but there is one more aspect of the story that I don't like. Uh, like I said, I, I definitely side with Discotech. They're right. You know, they have limitations to what they can do on their artwork. And I, I actually don't think their artwork came out bad for this. So I don't really understand the major issues with this. But then there's this whole internet vigilante, you know, deal going on where, oh my God, this guy was rude to Discotech, which is terrible. Yeah, you know, I probably shouldn't do that. But then they're like, you know what? Let's make sure he never works at Viz Media anymore. And so let's at Viz Media and make sure that he doesn't work there anymore. And let's make sure Funimation never hires him and Sentai never hires him him to do any dvd art anywhere let's make sure he never has a job ever again yeah. in that industry and i totally don't agree with that i mean that's crazy that's ridiculous yeah and that's another thing like these brands these corporate accounts on twitter 
needs to just fucking ignore this cancel culture bullshit that's been going on everywhere. Um, because it's almost always, every time someone tries to cancel another person, it's almost always a quote taken out of context, or something, a quote from like 10 years ago when that person had different opinions, or was less knowledgeable on a topic, and this, yeah, just trying trying to get someone fired for saying a thing, like, come on, this, yeah, this, I mean, this uh, is so stupid. Exactly, exactly. and obviously People this change. guy was in- Exactly. And obviously this guy's in the wrong. He shouldn't be doing that. That's mm-hmm. not the way you go about it. But, I mean, what, are we going to make the guy, like, lose his job for all eternity because he was kind of a dick on Twitter one day? Like, come right. on. Yeah. Sometimes we all want to be a dick one day. And we say, the guy's not going to be able to eat now. He's not going to be able to pay rent because of, you know, he was a dick one day. Like, yeah. I don't know. It's going way too far. Yeah. And you don't know the so. circumstances. Maybe the guy was just having a bad day. Maybe he was drunk. <laughs> exactly. You know, it could be, it could be so many factors. And, and so the punishment far exceeds the crime. I mean, I think the punishment is discotheque doesn't hire him because they don't need to deal with uh, people who are addicted to them. But that doesn't mean we're going to take away his job at Viz Media. Like, yeah. What the hell? Yeah. So, uh, I mean, that's really all I had to say about that controversy. But I do think that leads us into, you know, maybe really quickly we could talk about anime DVD covers and Blu-ray covers and art. Yes. I think it was Mike Tool who posted it, but uh, this was a famous one from a couple years ago. Maybe only two years ago, three years ago now. Uh, the Naruto DVD cover. Oh my god, it's really, really horrible. I don't know if you've seen that. I think it's a Blu-ray, actually. So what, this is Naruto or Boruto? Uh, Naruto. It was Naruto, I think. Uh, they re-released it on, D- on uh, Blu-ray. And the Blu-ray cover, it doesn't even look like Naruto. It's so terrible. It's really bad. <laughs> uh, uh, I think if you yeah if, if you is type the in one that Naruto says Blu-ray, okay yeah I did yeah. I just type in Naruto Blu-ray cover and I got I got something that yeah this does not look like Naruto and it says triple feature collector's edition in the bottom corner yeah. is that the one yeah that's that's the one oh my that's god yeah this is terrible what the hell yeah so <laughs> if they were to at Viz Media and try to make this one look better and a little more respectful way maybe I would understand where they're coming from because this is a Horrible DVD cover, a Blu-ray cover. Right. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know what how this. So I, I went to. Uh, I think it was. Uh, uh, I forget which con it was. Uh, but Funimation ran a panel once on basically you are an, an anime distribution company and you play the role of someone putting together the art for Blu-rays and stuff or DVDs or whatever. And they actually went through like some real life scenarios of things that they as Funimation has to deal with. When, um, because a lot of times the Japanese companies only give them like two or three pieces of promo art to use for the Blu-ray, and then they they also say things. Okay, well, you have to use this on the disc, and uh, this has to be. It, it has to look. It has to center. On, it has to focus on this part of the image, um, or they. You know, sometimes these companies have to really push back, and sometimes it doesn't always work. So I'm wondering if that's like one of these situations where they just had to had to use what they had, and um, they had no better options. It's definitely possible, and I mean, that's always the, been the problem for, for as long back as I, I've been in anime, is I know Central Park Media used to complain about this all the time, that they were given, like, oh, this is the only picture you could really use, and like you said, you gotta, sense, you gotta focus in on this way, and uh, the font has to be like this, and you can't do anything else with it, and, and that's, the, that's the DVD cover, or the VHS cover, or whatever that you're gonna use, and that's it. And so they have very limited what they can use, even though there's awesome artwork available, like, the original, uh, you know, the original license holders in Japan are like, nope, can't do it. You gotta use this or nothing. So, they're very limited in sometimes in what they can do. Yeah, Japanese copyright law just doesn't make sense. There's so much, 
so much weirdness about it. Um, it, it even like I, I'm a lot like into the idol, so like in the you you hear about it a lot in the music scene, but also anime. Even it's it's just like why are they so restrictive as to what pieces of official art you can use on the Blu-ray? You would think if it's official art, you know, just they can use it. I mean, yeah, they might have to get explicit permission, and but they, they, can they can they be like okay. Um, let's say Aniplex. Okay, Aniplex, can I use this piece of art? And then they give the, either the thumbs up or the thumbs down, but it's not like that. It, instead, Aniplex tells them, okay, here here are the four pieces of art that you can use and pick from them. And that's it. Exactly. Like, why, is, yeah. why is it that way? It doesn't, make, it doesn't make much sense to me, but I don't know. Maybe there's a reason for it. It doesn't... I don't get it. <laughs> and it usually, it usually depends on... The original Japanese license holder, like which company it is, like you said, if it's Anaplex, maybe they're a little easier going than a different company would be, uh, you know, maybe Bandai Visual would be uh, a lot more uh, restrictive on what they can do. Uh, I know that Central Park Media specifically came into this problem when it was, uh, they were releasing Pat Labor, because the Japanese Pat Labor, uh, I guess it was VHS uh, release or DVD release, they had really nice artwork, was really beautiful. And then when Central Park Media had to bring over the DVDs here, it's like, yeah, you're not allowed to use any of those artworks. Uh, here you go. Wow. Really terrible robot pictures. That's all you can do. <laughs> that's so weird. So, yeah. Like, do, do you not want this to sell? Do you not like money? <laughs> exactly. Like it. Like and so then. The, I mean, their DVDs don't look bad, but they're not really that good looking. Uh, somehow, uh, I think it was, it wasn't Sentai, it's that, that other company, Made in Japan, when they released, uh, Pat Labor, they did get the rights to use the really awesome, beautiful artwork on their Blu-ray release, and that looks excellent, so, uh, somehow they wiggled their way into getting the nicer view, uh, artwork, so that, that worked out actually pretty well. Yeah, and I'm wondering if it's, like, I'm thinking back to some, like, old bad covers of, uh, of DVDs and Blu-rays from the past, and I'm thinking about the, uh, the original Higurashi box art, if you, if you, if you recall. So, Higurashi is not a, is not a, um, happy-go-lucky, you know, cute girls doing cute things show. It, it's, it's horror. Um, there's a lot of, there's a lot of very brutal stuff that happens in this show. Uh, but the original box art, I think Genion originally released it, rest in peace, Genion. But um, when they released it, it, they made it look all cutesy and everything. And people were like, what the hell? This is not Higurashi. This is not what Higurashi is supposed to be. <laughs> yeah, I remember that. And I I, uh, I I have that art, that box art, and it looks really beautiful, but it's like it totally does not depict the show at all. Yeah. And if like, someone were to pick up that box and they were like, oh, this is one of those cute animes where all the girls do cute stuff. It's like, nope, not at all. What are you nope. doing? Nope. <laughs> yeah, so someone unknowing would would buy that and be in for a very rude awakening. Yeah, and uh, I, I think that might have been same same story there. And I do know that the actual, D, like the box art looks cutesy and all the girls doing cute things, but the actual DVD art on each DVD volume has the girls and then it's like in like, uh, I don't know, like sepia tone or something. And so it's trying to make the cute girls look like they're not cute and kind of scary. But right. Again, I feel like it's like, well, they had very limited what they could use. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. probably one of those cases. <laughs> yeah. So that that's an interesting case. And I know, uh, talking about Genion, another old one from Genion, uh, Green Legend Rand, if you Google that DVD case, uh, always bothered me. What was it called? Green Legend what? Green Legend R-A-N, Ran. And if you do DVD case, okay. it's a lot of green stuff. And then it's like the characters just look like out of focus or something. Like it's Something is so wrong about this DVD cover. It always bothered me. Yeah. Yeah, there's something weird about this. It looks like the guy's floating yeah. in the air. 
Yeah. I know, I know he's I, hanging out to the ladder, but it, it's weird how he's positioned. Yeah, I don't know if you're looking at the right one. It's the one that it's green and it says DVD on the bottom left, and it's just a lot of oh. green, and he's like sideways. And the oh, girl, I see. Okay. Like, yep. And the girl looks like her shirt is coming off, and it's like, <laughs> I don't understand. It doesn't depict the shell at all. Like, why the character's in such a weird position? Okay, no, I was I was looking at the wrong one, but uh, yeah, this one's also pretty silly. But yeah, I found the green one, and yeah, the, why why is the girl's shirt coming off? Why is this guy just screaming at at in the air? And like, oh boy, this is yeah. <laughs> yeah, and her shirt never comes off in the show, and it's not that kind of a show. And like, why is he sideways? I don't know. It's just a very strange, strange cover. And I, I uh, one other thing I wanted to say is uh, a lot of those Funimation Save or S A V E, whatever the hell they call it, those DVD releases have just ugh, terrible. Oh, the Save line! Effect. I rem- I remember that. That was when they released like re-released like old shows for like ten dollars, right? Yeah, so, yeah, that was, yeah. You can get really, like Canon at some, a good deal or something like that. Or, yeah, I got some good and, deals from that, but yeah, you were right though. The box art was not good. <laughs> yeah, and they original like a lot of times the pictures they used were terrible, and then they had that stupid green seal on the side of it. Ugh. Mm. But but yeah. you'd get you'd get a you'd get a good uh, a deal like you said like for ten. Yeah, but at least you got the full show for cheap. yeah. Yeah, yeah, you get the whole show like before... Cannon or or something for yeah. or El Cazador or something like that for like ten bucks and, and you got the whole show there, but then you gotta look at this ugly D V D or Blu ray cover. Ugh. Yeah, but this was before uh I mean Crunchyroll was around but it was still in its infancy infancy at the time. So uh yeah, at that time this was kind of the best way to watch a show that you liked. Yeah, if you wanted to watch a show and you didn't want to spend a lot of money on it and it was kind of an older show, I mean that was kinda of... I guess the way to go about it. So, but ugh, some of those covers. All right. Well, I mean, that's all I have to say about the DVD art controversy. But that was the big uh, story on the Twitterverse, at least the last couple of days. <laughs> oh boy, yeah, that's just some crazy stuff. That's, but that's Twitter. That's how Twitter is. Yeah, it's fun. Follow the drama, but sometimes it's kind of sad uh, where it ends up. Don't don't get involved in the drama. Just take a back seat and heat up some popcorn. And enjoy the show. That's what I said. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. If you get involved, I, I used to get I used to get involved, and that was a mistake. I don't do that anymore. I'm, my days of doing that are done. <laughs> uh, me, me, and you used to get involved in that all the time. It, it, it uh, sometimes it turns out okay, but usually not. <laughs> the great Moe Wars of the 21st century. Uh, oh, every that day brings me back. Every day was something. Arguing with A and N staff. Over how whether or not Moe was destroying the anime industry. Remember when that was the hot topic? I mean, I, I oh, really yeah. miss those days. Every day, <laughs> every day, and I guess they were wrong because the anime industry is still doing pretty well. Anime industry still <laughs> still doing great, and Moe is still alive and doing quite well. So hey, guess who won that war? <laughs> <laughs> Take that, and no, I'm just kidding. A and N's fine. I have nothing, I have no beef with them. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I like A&N, generally speaking. Some of the some of the workers there, uh, it's interesting, their takes on certain stuff, and maybe I don't agree with everything they say. Yeah, some of them have some hot takes, but that's that's any media outlet. Yeah, that's that's everywhere, though. Especially, though, their opinion on some Moe stuff. I was like, what? Like, it's way out of bounds. Like, But anyway, that's a, a story for another day, I guess. Yep, yep, that it is. <laughs> All right, so did you have uh, any other uh, stories you want to talk about? Some uh, recently airing anime or anything like that? Uh, yeah, sure. I just uh, So for those follow, for those who follow anime on like a seasonal basis, the new season has started. Uh, so I've, I've watched a few of the shows, plan on checking out a few more. But uh, 
for the for what I have seen so far, I'll just talk a little bit about each one. First of all, the second second season of Zombieland Saga is out. Um, first start, the first episode is out. See, so far so good. Um, then the new ep- there's uh, actually a show that's getting talked about a lot. Don't toy with me, Miss Nagatoro. Uh, it's it's getting a lot of heat for some reason. Um, it's just another one of those like like Uzaki Chan like smug smug anime girl shows. <laughs> Except this yeah. this one I actually this one actually felt a little more uncomfortable because um, the girl is very bullyish, uh, whereas like in Uzaki and like other sh- other shows I can't think of the other names, but um, all, all the smug anime girl shows like it's usually the girl's just very just teasing a lot. Like you can tell you can tell she's totally teasing and just just really sweet on the inside. Nagatoro seems very mean spirited and. Um, I've been told by fans who've read the manga that that changes a little bit over over time, uh, so I'm going to hold out. I'm going to give it a few more episodes. We'll see how the, that is. So you know, I mean, other than that though, it seems like a really like well well made show. It's got good animation. The background art is surprisingly beautiful. Which uh, like like I saw the background art at the beginning. I'm like, was this? Did Makoto Shinkai do this? <laughs> so it was like really nice. Other shows that I've seen so far, uh, let's make a mug too. That's like a comfy that that has um, Gochi Usa vibes to it. Uh, or uh, is the order a rabbit? Is the English title? So well, that's just a very comfy, cute girls doing cute things type of show. Uh, the Miss Kobayashi's Dragon Maid second season has not started yet, but what they are doing is they're releasing shorts, uh, like three minute shorts, uh, to kind of hold us over until the uh, next season starts. So check those out. The first one is out. It's really good. Um, Odd Taxi is an interesting show. I didn't think I would kind of. I didn't think I'd like it at first because it looked kind of like, it looked kind of furry, but and and nothing against furry. It's just not my thing. Um, it, but what it was the name of that? Surpri- What's that show? It's called Odd Taxi. O d d t a x i. But I checked it out and it was surprisingly good. It's 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 a pretty interesting story in the first episode, and I'm interested in seeing out and seeing more of that. Um, of course, the real reason I watched it is because it has three love lives say you in it. Uh, but aside from that, the show is does does seem to be quite good. And it looks like it has a really cool uh, animation or artwork style. Like it's kind yeah, of the aesthetic animation. is the aesthetic is very is very colorful and uh, I don't know how to describe it. Maybe like watercolor, uh, but it's 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 a nice it's a nice aesthetic. Yeah, yeah, I have to look into that one. That looks cool. I'm not into the the furry thing either. No offense to anyone who's into that, but I mean, this looks kind of different than a furry show. It looks kind of kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, other than that, I've also checked out Shadow's House. That's kind of, uh, cute girls doing cute things. It, it, it looks like a dark, like, gothic-type show, and it might go that route because there's something at the end of the first episode that kind of hints that there's some kind of conflict going on. But most of the first episode is just two girls talking to each other. So it's it's kind of comfy. seems so far like that. It could change. Who knows? Uh, I've also checked out Super Cub, which so far the entire first episode is about a girl who... It's kind of depressed, doesn't have much to live for, and then she kind of, she sees a motorcycle that she really wants and ends up, it turns out the motorcycle's on sale because, well, I'm not going to spoil. The motorcycle's heavily discounted, so she buys it and finds her joy in life. It's it's a kind of comfy show, kind of, it's very slow, so if you're not into slow stuff, maybe don't watch it, but it's just one to like kind of lay back, relax, not have to think too much. This is a kind of a, a good show to watch. Um, it's got great, great background art. It kind of has like a Eurocamp vibe to it, although I would say it's even slower than Eurocamp, uh, or Laidback Camp is the English title. And then finally, The World Ends With You, the animation. God, I remember when this game came out on the DS. I never played it, 
But I remember my friends talking about it, and they loved it. Except for the battle system. I remember they saying that the battle system was like... It required inhuman reflexes, some parts, uh, from what I've heard. But the anime is finally out. I don't know why we're getting an anime, like, what, 15, 20 years later? But we, for some reason, we are. Uh, and it's... I Again, I have not, did not play the original, so I don't know the story. But uh, so far, the story seems pretty good in the anime. I'm assuming the story is being faithful to the original. Um... And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching more of that. It, it also has a fairly unique art style with like kind of a, a like a thick black lines, kind of like edgy art style. If you want, I don't know how to describe it, but that's yeah, check it out. That's also pretty good. And I, actually, I know uh, there was some controversy with that because they had to change the opening because like at the, like a day before the anime was going to air, the band that they had who, who was going to do the opening, the drummer got arrested for I forget what he got arrested for but they they had to quickly like swap out the opening with another one and they did it real quickly like it's kind of impressive so yeah they they got another band lined up real quick wow that's crazy yeah I was just gonna say uh the art style that kind of looks like I don't know video gamey uh what was that game uh Joe something video game uh Venture Joe Beautiful Joe a beautiful Joe yeah, yeah it looks like a beautiful Joe kind of looking anime yeah yeah I could say that so yeah kind of kind of looks like that uh that's interesting looking. Not my kind of style, but definitely very different than your average anime style. So if you're looking for something that looks uh, definitely different, uh, you know, that's an anime you could look at. Yep. Yeah, so that's your uh, that's your five-minute rundown of some of the shows this season. Maybe maybe next episode I'll talk about a few more if I, if I pick up some more. There, there are a few more I do plan on picking up. But, you know, until then, we'll see. <laughs> All right. Yeah, you know, keep us informed on uh, what's... Uh, airing right now and if there's anything good that i should check out because i don't look at anything that's airing right now i haven't looked at anything really uh at least i haven't watched anything i just look at the pictures <laughs> <laughs> and that's sometimes the best part pictures yeah. and the music for me it's the, the music too because I, I just love listening to uh openings and endings of shows i'm not even watching sometimes so because sometimes the music is just that good yeah, that that's always fun to do. Like, I love to look at uh, the openings and the endings. Uh, anything cool. And now with Spotify so. getting like almost all anime music these days, it's just it's so easy to get to to access. Yeah, yeah, that's 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 uh that's really good. Uh, all right. Uh, any other uh, news story you want to talk about, or any other anime you want to bring up? Uh, no, I think that's it for me. So we can move on to the next part. Alright, so uh, I think the next part that we're going to do is that we're going to review uh, Summer Wars. Uh, it's an anime uh, movie by Madhouse. I think it came out in, uh, what, uh, like, uh, 2009. Uh, so, uh, John, I guess if you want to bring us through the plot, and uh, then you could tell us your opinion on it, and uh, I'll give you uh, my opinion on it, and uh, we'll review it. So. Alright, so Summer Wars is a movie that came out in 2009. Uh, it was in theaters in the U.S., but I think it was a limited release. It was, uh, I saw it as part of the New York International Children's Film Festival. Uh, Funimation later picked it up and released it. Uh, it is a movie by Mamoru Hosoda, who at the time was most famously known for The Girl Who Left Through Time. Um, he has since moved on to, to release other stuff, such as The Boy and the Beast and Mirai. Um, I think that's his most recent film, if I recall. Summer Wars is a movie about, like, this, this kind of social network, but... It's it's not like not like Facebook or not like an MMO. It's think like if you've seen Ready Player One, it's kind of it draws the most parallels to that. Basically, it's this virtual reality world where it's so essential and everyone uses it. So like basic basic everyday tasks are done. Like businesses conduct 
conduct their business <laughs> inside this virtual world. And it's just the, the all of reality has become so engrossed in this that everyone has an account pretty much. Um, everyone uses it for basic everyday functions, like it, everything from getting the news. Yeah, I could kind of compare it to like a gamified Twitter because we were just talking about how every brand is on Twitter, like Burger King is on Twitter and they're saying sexist things and uh, Wendy's is always on Twitter and they're having some type of a fun controversy out there and every corporation feels they have to have a Twitter account. So it, it, it reminded me a lot of like Twitter, but, you know, gamified maybe and like very like Yeah, that's a good way to think gamey. about it. Yeah, so it's, yeah, it's Twitter, but more more graphical, more virtual and, and, yes, gamified, because there are games inside this virtual reality. The name of this virtual reality is, of course, Oz. Um, and it's about this guy, Kenji Koiso, who is a genius. He's a mathematician. Well, I don't know if he's a mathematician, but he's, he's really good at math, basically. And he, so he ends up going, and I don't want to spoil too much, but he ends up going with this girl he likes, just a friend of his, uh, to kind of pretend to be his girlfriend, because this girl wants him to th wants her family to think that that uh, she has a boyfriend and is making you know making making the next steps in life, and so he ends up going on a vacation with her to visit her family, and while he's on vacation at her family's house, which is in the countryside, uh, Japan, kind of in the middle of nowhere, um, he gets he gets this email. This it's just a bunch of numbers, but he ends he's he's really good at math. He ends up cracking this algorithm or formula, whatever. And the next day, he finds out that he accidentally exploited a, a, a security hole in, in Oz. So everything's going haywire, and now he has to work with his friends and, and, the, girl, and the girl, Natsuki, and uh, her family to try to get everything back in order. Because this uh, basically this virus or rogue account hijacked everyone's accounts. Uh, not everyone, but mo you know, millions and millions of accounts. Um... And is now using that power to just wreak havoc all over the world, controlling traffic lights, um, causing natural, well, not really natural disasters, but cause, basically causing them to happen. Uh, and eventually almost causes the end of the world. Or a major disaster, I would say. Yeah, I think they were hacking into uh, electrical grids, power grids, uh, water systems, gas lines, stuff like that, airports, all those things are being hacked. Yeah. Causing a lot of havoc all around the world because everything is connected to this system, which is it's it's kind of a warning. It's you know it's kind of saying you know don't do this, don't rely on technology on this huge interconnected network because if it if it gets exploited, then this is this is what's going to happen. So, uh, yeah, it's basically that's it's a story of Kenji working with his working with Natsuki and her family to get everything back in order. Yeah, so um, I guess we could get a little bit into uh, spoilers here, so if people uh, don't want to know uh, how it ends and uh, everything like that. Uh, but uh, what I what I liked about you know what about what you're just saying was uh, about the whole the the theme of it, the lesson there. Uh, yeah, it really gives a uh, like a lesson like why are we putting everything online? Why is everything connected to the internet? Now I know the internet's great and the internet's excellent and it really helps make our lives so much easier in every way. But like, should nuclear power plants be like connected to the internet? Like anything online, I'm sorry, but anything online is hackable. There's no way to make something unhackable if it's connected to the internet. And so like, there's a real lesson here about putting everything online. We used to be able to live our lives without 
electrical systems be being connected to the internet and nuclear power plants and and water systems and you know all these things being connected there and it's just way too much if we could live our lives the way it was before i don't really notice any difference with my electric if it was like connected to the internet or not my power grid so like why does it need to be connected to the power like the power grid needs to be so connected to the internet in a way where it's it's open for hacking and not only is this a, a lesson for what could happen i mean this stuff has actually happened in in like i found three examples for example like russia hacked a wi-fi system at the san francisco airport a couple years ago yeah and they caused like a major major issue there uh russia hacked uh one of america's uh industrial switches out of power plant in 2018 and they were they were screwing around with the power plant and then some some country or somebody hacked the nuclear power plant in kansas and they, everyone was freaking out like oh my god like there might be a meltdown uh, somehow i guess they got control over it but like why are these things even on the internet in the first place so I, I, yeah I it's it's I mean, they do it for convenience factor, but it, it's it is a very good point that this movie brings up. And this movie was kind of I think this came out like right before the whole smart home boom took off. So smart home is like this. It's uh, for people who don't know. It's basically having lights in your house that you can control from your phone, or you can say, "Hey Alexa, turn on the living room lights," or um, other things that they put in your like these ring doorbells where you have a camera attached to your doorbell, uh, so people can see. Uh, and then you know that sounds great and all. Uh, or like smart door locks so that you're a smart door lock that can automatically detect because it's using your phone's geolocation you can automatically detect when you're walking up to your door and automatically unlock the door sounds great until you realize all these things can be hacked and there have been cases of people breaking into other people's homes by hacking the door lock um there have been there's smart cars we have people were drive people driving and then suddenly the engine just turns off in the mid you know while while driving and because their their smart car got hacked, this is this is kind of, this is a serious thing. And I mean, if we're going to live in a world where we where we we just kind of accept this convenience, we need to we need to either accept the risk, which is not ideal, or we need to make it so that this um, this technology is foolproof and unhackable, which is probably impossible because every piece of technology always has security holes. It's just a matter of discovering them. So yeah, 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 it's uh, it is a tough dilemma, uh, and something you gotta really think about, and we all we all have to think about it. it's. Uh, but it, this movie came out before all that st- stuff started happening, so it was kind of a warning. And well, I guess uh, it's happening now. It's except the only difference is in real life, it's not all connected to one network. Like all these smart, these smart appliance companies have their own networks, so it's not all it's not all unified. So that's kind of nice. I guess that's that's good. It's not all connected to Oz. But whereas it is in the anime, but maybe maybe that's something that'll happen later on. Who knows? It's yeah, still it's they, still causing it's it's still causing some harm. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, some of the stuff that we would say is like we, some people call it the Internet of Things, where all our things are connected mm-hmm. to the Internet, and and a lot of that is good. Like I have a smartwatch and a smartphone, and you know you can you, your your car has a GPS built into it. Like I got no problem with any of those things. But like when it comes to like nuclear power plants and stuff, it's like whoa wait a minute here, why is that on the internet? Because someone's going to be able to hack that eventually. Yeah, something like a nuclear power plant. Yeah, I understand if the workers need uh, web access or whatever, if they need to Google things, that's fine, but don't connect the crucial systems of the power plant to the internet because someone's going to hack that <laughs> and it's going to be a problem. 
<laughs> exactly. So I think you had a, a great point there, though. Like, this came out right before, like, right before, like, you, we knew this stuff was kind of coming, but it's like nobody had, like, an Alexa yet uh, when this movie came out. So they were really on top of the ball here. So maybe watching it now, when I, when I was rewatching it, it's like, oh, okay, yeah. But at, in 2009 or 2010, uh, if you'd watch it then, it's like, it, it was really on top of, like, where the world was going. So I, I think it was really, really of the moment. And they, they, they kind of nailed it there, and they, and they did give a really good warning. Yep. So, I guess uh, we want to move into, like, more details about the movie so far? Yeah, yeah, we could talk about, uh, I guess, uh, uh, just talking about, like, the plot and everything. I felt it was it was a very exciting and fun film, very interesting. Uh, I like the whole happy-go-lucky aspects of it. I love the families always interacting with each other, different family members, and you get all these exciting, interesting characters Right? Mm-hmm. Like, everyone in the family is a character. And they all, like, the one lady's really into baseball. And, and the one guy's <laughs> a cop. And, and, and he's overreacts on everything. And the other guy is, I, I don't know what his job is, but he, he's also a karate teacher. He teaches one of, the, uh, one of his nephews how to do karate. And they all have these cool, really interface personalities. And they're all butt heads. And it felt very realistic to me. Like, I've been at huge family gatherings before. My family and my friends' families and other people's families. And you do have these types of interactions and different families butting heads. Only obviously this is a little exaggerated, but really fun, really exciting stuff. I, I love that aspect of the film. I thought that was really cool. Yeah, the the whole character, the relationships, and everything is really great. Especially um, when you have that when you discover that that one character, um, I forget his name, but the, the basically a uh, Wabiske, the the one that nobody likes because it's it's revealed that he basically stole the the family's entire fortune. Um, so when he shows up and everyone's like, oh, this guy. Uh, but, you know, and, and then uh, they, end up, they end up basically making amends and Kenji ends up becoming, you know, friendly with him and everything. And, but, but it turns out, like, I don't know if he's like the, if you can call him the, no, he's not the antagonist, but he basically create, is the guy that created this AI that's currently going wreaking havoc inside Oz. So he's kind of a bad guy, but at the same time, he was just doing something he was asked to do. So, who knows? But yeah, the, yeah, the, 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 whole, the character informa- the character uh, interactions are great, especially the scene when the grandmother passes away. Like you can, you really feel for the family there, um, and like shed a few tears and, and everything. Because it's like, it's like, yeah, that that sucks. That and that's, but that's 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 life. Yeah, uh, Natsuki, uh, she uh, she got the. Uh... Um, what's his name? Kenji. She brought him along to show the great grandmother. Look, this is this is gonna be my boyfriend. This is my. I'm gonna marry him one day, even though it was all a lie. Cause she just wants to, you know, perk up the great grandmother's spirits. You know, cause uh, she heard that maybe she was she was sick. So she thinks that oh look, I'm gonna have this really awesome boy. He's gonna become my husband. And the great grandmother takes a liking to him. And I I just love the character of the great grandmother. I think mm-hmm. she's a really strong, forceful woman. Uh, she gets she gets shit done you know she gets things done like when things are going crazy and everyone's like i don't understand the internet's going crazy she's like this is like a war this is not like computer games like we're not messing around here and so she picks up the phone and she calls all the people she knows and all powerful people in the country and her relatives and her friends and her family and she says we gotta act now you gotta be decisive i think it's yes her old age like i guess she was probably alive during uh, world war ii in japan and she understands like 
shit can get real. Like, people are gonna die if we don't do something. And also, uh, she comes from, the whole family comes from this old Japanese clan that I feel like they're always on the losing side of the important ancient Cha- uh, Japanese uh, battles. But, uh, uh, they're still, they were a very influential clan. And, uh, like you said, uh, he stole all the money, so now they're kind of just running on fumes. I love that idea of, like, they were really powerful, really influential. Now they got no more money. Everybody seems to be, like, working class. Like, there's a fireman, a boat guy, a, a police officer, a guy who works in the electric company, a guy who does computers, right? Like, they were this really powerful clan, and now they're all working class. But they still have those connections to, the, to like, the very powerful people of Japan. Yeah, and it's great that they have those connections because that's how they're able to eventually overcome uh, the main conflict of the of the of the show by putting all their professions together. They managed to, to put together this the supercomputer, and at one point they they haul in a boat, <laughs> which is very it's a very anime moment where they just a giant boat just appears out of nowhere and is basically supplying electricity to that that the the giant supercomputer, but. <laughs> Anime moments aside, that that is how they're able to uh, overcome the obstacles and uh, and save the world. <laughs> yeah, or at and, least a large uh, part of the world. Yeah, and I, I like the whole message there of like all the working class people coming together, and you know uh, the family working together, and just the grandmother, like her getting stuff done before she passes away. Like she got things done, and I, I think that's another aspect of it that maybe we didn't talk about is. The grandmother dies, supposedly, I mean, you don't really know for sure, but she has a heart condition and she has one of those smart, whatever, that monitor, like one of those internet things that monitor her heart. Mm-hmm. And and because Oz was hacked, uh, somehow it wasn't connected to the internet, it did not alert her doctor, and her heart was having problems and they maybe could have saved her. I mean, she is like 90 years old, so who knows, but they maybe could have saved her if they found out earlier, but because Oz was hacked, an actual human being died. And I think that this this is a real thing that we do need to think about in the real world today. Yeah, it's like it's like those life alert bracelets. Yeah, the, her doctor did not get notified and had Oz been online, um and I I guess Oz is really, I don't know, would you say Oz is maybe just and uh, the the internet as a whole, like, because it, it kind of could be that, and just the internet, but in a more visual sense. Yeah, I do. I do get the impression a lot of times. Yeah, it's kind of like a visual internet, like an like an internet you can kind of like log into and like move an avatar around. Kind of, it's got like a big Twitter aspect of it, a video gamey kind of aspect of yeah. it. But yeah, it's, it, in a way, it is just the internet, maybe, and it's obviously an allegory just for the internet itself. Yeah, I wonder if uh, Hosted actually just meant for us to be the internet, like that. That was the parallel he was trying to draw. It'd be, it'd be an interesting thing to study, but that's uh, likely what he was going for, I would say, because that's kind of how a lot of our systems work today. Uh, I know, I don't know about Life Alert. I, I mean, because that came out in the '90s, so that obviously didn't use the internet. Uh, the internet was still very new at that time and was on dial-up. Um, <laughs> that that used some kind of phone wireless. I don't know how it works, but uh, yeah, but it's, they could apply it to similar things these days for sure. Because if your internet goes down, you do uh, you you do lose a lot of luxuries. I mean, aside from simply being able to browse Google, you do lose. You know, if your if your home is connected to to smart home devices, you lose a lot of things that you know that you you lose the ability to turn on your lights. Because <laughs> <laughs> uh, there's sometimes there's no override switch for these things, so it kind of sucks. 
Yeah, I mean, that was the old uh, Simpsons joke, right? Like, Y2K, like, you're not, uh, after Y2K and the internet's down and the computers don't work anymore, you're not even going to be able to drink any milk because the milk's not going to work anymore. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Your milk carton's going to have holes in it without the internet working. <laughs> yep. Yeah, but I mean, it is, it is kind of true. It's, it's uh, you know, everything is so connected now to the internet, so. I, I, we didn't really talk about the very end of the film the uh the big battle scene I-, I thought that was really exciting what did you think about that the what scene the big battle scene where uh the main oh. character where she plays koi koi with the, yes with yes the, the hanafuda the hanafuda battle was really yeah that's really cool like it's it's, it's done with cg but it's really good cg and it's, it's really um it looks pretty and everything and it is a very like very t- intense battle like it's just Hanafuda. You 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 didn't think. Wait, Hanafuda is not not an intense game, but this <laughs> is this is anime we're talking about. I mean, there's a whole there's a whole anime series called Saki where they made Mahjong look badass, and this is the same kind of thing that, that they made Hanafuda a very peaceful. It's just a card game, but they made it look really cool. Um, and yeah. it's like, oh, I want to I want to play that now. Um, I still don't know how to play Hanafuda, but. Um, yeah, they, they made it look pretty badass, and, and, you know, every time she yells Koi Koi, it's like, oh, I don't know what Koi Koi means, but she's about to do something good. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's so forceful. It's so exciting, that scene. I love that. I love her cute avatar, and I think that the fact that her avatar is really cute uh, helps her in, in, uh, actually win that one, because uh, she's playing against the AI, and so obviously the AI is going to be very good at a card game. But she does pretty well early on, and then she gambles everything, and she loses everything. And then it's like, well, she can't continue. But then everyone else on Oz, they're watching this unfold, and they know that, you know, if she don't win, like, things are going to go really bad really quickly. So everybody gives offers their avatar to her to gamble with the AI so she can play the card game and, and defeat the AI. And uh, I think the uncle says, you know, they only really did that because your avatar is so cute because you're such a cute girl. But <laughs> I, I, I love that. I, I, again, it's that happy-go-luckiness with the also super seriousness, like, oh, man, the whole world is at stake here. You got to win kind of thing. Yeah, it was a really cool, really cool battle. And I just, yeah, I really love how it ends. And, like, you get to see, like, what's going on in the real, in the, in, in the, uh, in Oz, but you also get to see what's happening in the real world with uh, the computer overheating and how they have to move the ice uh, next to the computer to keep it from overheating. And the, whole, the thing with the ship when the computer's running low on power and they have to bring in a ship to provide more power to the computer. It's, just, it's crazy, but it's, it's just really cool how you see like both sides of the battle going on. And then you get to see like how, what, what, how uh, it's affecting everyone else in the world. And it's like one of those moments where it's just like, it's it's kind of a beautiful thing where you see like the entire world coming together to to save the plot to save everything to save everyone and it's uh and and just the way the music is in the background amping up everything it's 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 really it's it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, I love that scene, uh, especially where the uh, the German guy uh, he's the first one to give over his avatar. Felt very Twitter to me. Like a guy speaking in another language, like, oh, here you go, here's my avatar. Very total Twitter kind of thing. Uh, but very emotional. Made me almost want to cry, like, oh, man. And then everybody in the world gets behind her. And then in the real world, you see her and her whole family behind her. And it's just, it's so emotional. It's like, oh, man, they're fighting for super serious stakes here. And there's not even, like, a bad guy they're fighting against. They're fighting against this AI that's hackable and hacking everything. Yep. So they end, they end up defeating the AI, which is great, but it turns out they were too late, but they do manage to redirect, well, I don't think we even explained what the main threat is. So basically they're, they, this guy, this AI hacked a satellite, 
and decided to just send the satellite on a crash course down to Earth. So what what happens is uh, Natsuki and uh, and Kenji and family they all work together. Mostly Kenji doing most of the work, but um, they all work together to to defeat this AI. Well, actually, I'm sorry, sorry. Natsuki is the one who really defeats the AI in the long run with the the Hanafuda game. But um, yeah, they they defeat the AI, but it's too late. There's not much time left, and the, they 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 manage to change the trajectory of the satellite just so much so that it doesn't doesn't hit them and doesn't doesn't cause major damage. So it still hit the planet, but wasn't nearly as bad as it was going to be. So yeah, it was a happy ending. The satellite misses them. Nobody dies except, of course, the uh, great grandmother who unfortunately uh, perhaps passed away before her time. But you don't really know for sure. Yep, that's the, uh, and, and you know, there's probably other casualties that you don't see because, you know, when, when basically an entire world connected to the internet is connected to the internet and the internet goes haywire, there's going to be, uh, there's going to be several hundred, if not thousands of casualties, so. Yeah, it was, a, it was a serious, uh, uh, stake there, uh, when the, when the original everything was hacked, yeah, probably people, uh died early on there, but at least the satellite didn't, didn't take anybody out and, uh, we don't see... Uh, the effects of the internet uh, being out, killing people, but yeah, p- probably did happen in the background there. Some other things uh, I want to say. I did like the character of Kenji. Uh, I know he's kind of a nerd, kind of a wimp, but he's very likable. He's like he's a pushover guy. Uh, but you know, I like the fact that he's a math whiz and he can like solve math problems really quickly. And he does screw up the one the one uh, math problem. He, he he, I think it was more of a typo than anything else. I think he did solve the math equation. But he, he typoed and put the wrong letter, and so really, technically, he didn't solve it. Yeah, and that was one thing. Like, I was able to use that fact to get a friend of mine to watch this movie because I have a friend who just does not does not like anime, but he is a mathematician. So I was like, hey, there's this there's this movie where the main character is really good at math and uses math to save the world, and he's like, show it to me. So <laughs> they actually ended up liking the movie. So it was uh, really cool that I was able to get a friend to watch this just because of that. So I guess some some people could relate to that. Yeah, I think that's a, definitely a, a different thing. You don't really see many characters that are super into math. I think he's like a math Olympian or runner-up in the math Olympics in Japan. So, you know, if people are into math, like, that's kind of a cool uh, character you have there because I don't really know any other characters that are, like, math whizzes, at least in anime. Yeah. Yeah, and it's also kind of refreshing. He's different from, at least especially in that era, uh, which was, was 2009. A lot of shows were coming out with male protagonists that were just complete pushovers and not really interested, not not much interesting about them. And we still have a lot of shows like that. It's kind of a, a an anime trope, but this was kind of a breath of fresh air to see a male character with some some background, some personality, um, and uh, some so who is somewhat interesting. Yeah, he has something to him. I mean, he has a hobby, he has something he's into, and he's good at it, and he has a talent. And yeah, he's, yeah, he still kind of falls into that, well, he's a little bit of a pushover, but, you know, he's got something he's good at, and he can utilize it, and help save the world with it, so I like that, that was cool. Oh, what, one more thing, what did you think of the character of uh, Natsuki? What did you think of her? Uh, I think she's great. She makes she, she makes a great side character, to, or uh, I guess, well, eventually a love interest for the main character. I don't know if the the whole I think the romance thing was kind of shoehorned in, but that's just that's just how movies be. I'll, I'll let it slide because it's just it's just so common to see that. But uh, you know, it, it kind of it added to the happy ending, so I guess it was kind of nice. But yeah, no, she was a pretty good character. I, I it, it's cool that like she actually partakes in the game herself. She has her own avatar and everything, and she does contribute quite a bit to actually help save the world as well. Yeah. See, my my issue with her, like she's not like one of my favorite characters, in that is. 
in the whole beginning, she kind of came off as kind of like annoying, kind of like nothing really interesting about her, just this annoying, popular, pretty girl, and there's nothing good about her. I love the ending where she like takes charge and she wins in that scene and she, koi koi, koi koi, koi koi, and she wins. And like that part's so exciting, but like for the first maybe half or three quarters of the film, she was kind of a, a little annoying uh, 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 to me. Like, I feel like she was useless. She didn't really do much. Uh, she, yes, she's obsessed with her uncle, who's this disgraced uncle, who, yes, ended up being the guy who programmed this AI, uh, who I find him super interesting. He's such a more interesting character than her. But, you know, so she's not really my favorite character. I love the way she looks. I love her character design. But as a personality, I don't know, she didn't click to me until, like, three quarters into the film. And then I was like, all right, now I can get behind you. I would say maybe at the beginning she was a little manipulative in how she got Kenji to come along with her on this trip, you know? Yeah. But she was like, hey, yeah. pretend to be my boyfriend, and, you know, actually, did she even, I don't recall, does she say yeah. that from the get-go? No, no she that's say, the thing. She doesn't say yeah. that until she gets there, yeah. So, yeah, she's very manipulative at first. So that's kind of, uh, yeah, that's kind of a shitty thing. But I guess it yeah. all turned out good in the long run, so whatever. Yeah, she's she's totally redeemed by the end. But yeah, in the beginning, she's like, "Oh, I have a job for you. Just come come on my job and uh, come to my house." And it feels like, "Oh, what? She's just gonna carry her like bags? Like that's the job or something?" Right. I'll pay you this money. And then it's when she gets there, it's like, "Oh, you're gonna pretend to be my boyfriend." So it's like double deception there. And it's like, "Whoa, wait, what?" And then she doesn't even really tell him. It's like right in front of the great grandmother. She's like, "Oh yeah, he's my uh, boyfriend. He's gonna be my fiance. I'm gonna marry him." And she tells all lies about his backstory. And he's like, "Wait, what? What? This is why I'm." here like you didn't even tell me so i don't know she came off to me as like one of those kind of like popular girls who think like oh i'm the only one that really matters and i don't really care about anybody else and uh i'm just gonna abuse people and use people and then who cares like how they feel and so later on she definitely does get a nice redemption arc there and she becomes like a very likable person uh and as for the the show itself the movie itself i i i, I found myself enjoying this even more than i remember like the original time it's a it's a it's a great film it's exciting it's fun it has a very important message i think my only criticism of it is besides the fact that she's kind of annoying early on is that it's it's a little slow at certain times some things are a little corny or cheesy especially with the oz stuff there's some stuff in there that you go ah you know maybe this wasn't cheesy in 2009 but now it's like oy, oy, oy. Uh, but, you know, it's very easy to overlook, and it's chock full of a lot of fun, you know, things, that the, the colorful characters, and, you know, it was very, like, Hollywood-esque with the whole, oh my god, the world's at stake, we gotta save everybody kind of thing. I love that. That was fun. Yeah, that was, I would say that was very Hollywood-esque. Um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. There, there are some slow parts in the movie. One, one of the criticisms I have is the movie does run kind of long for an anime film. Most anime films are, like, between 70 and 90 minutes. This one runs for 114 minutes. It's almost two hours. So, yeah, it's a bit of a time investment, but it's worth it. There are some slow parts, as Preet said, but for the most part, the movie is just something that'll keep you glued to the screen. Yeah, yeah, you know, 99% of the film is excellent, and, you know, we just got some issues here and there, some little slow parts here and there, but I, I loved it. Uh, maybe it's not as, as uh, well-crafted or as... Uh, you know, emotionally, although it is it is an emotional film, but not as emotionally impactful as uh, The Girl Who Left Through Time, his other film. Uh, I love that. That is a me. That's a real masterpiece. Like, oh, oh nothing, absolutely. Yeah. Th there's nothing you can criticize with that film. And I loved, you know, of course, it was Madhouse Studios, uh, the world-famous Madhouse Studios, who did the artwork in this, and they did brilliant artwork, beautiful character designs, excellent animation. And yes, as you said, the CGI, which you always worried about. Uh-oh, CGI and anime. 
<laughs> but they did a, gr a great job. Uh, the whole internet or the Oz or the Twitter, right, is depicted as a CGI, so you know that they're in the Oz world, and it, it, they did a great, great job with that. It came out very well. Beautiful looking, uh, beautiful looking film. Uh, I guess there wasn't much music in it. Maybe, maybe there's, yeah, but it was fine. Oh uh, yeah, so uh, I guess final thoughts. It's a great movie. It, it's uh, like I said, it does run a little long, but definitely worth checking into. It is, uh, I would say, it is a, pr a pretty much a staple of any anime fans' uh, library. Uh, if you can't, I'm sure it's available on multiple streaming sites. I haven't really looked. Um, Funimation did release the Blu-ray. I believe that's readily available on Amazon or wherever you want to buy it from. It is definitely an essential part of Mamoru Hosoda's. If you're if you're a fan of his. This is actually absolutely essential to watch. Um, the movie looks great, uh, even by today's standards. Even the CG parts, like there's still anime coming out these days with CG far worse than anything you see in this movie. The CG is quite good. It's smooth. It's not like 20 FPS. You know, it's 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 really well done. And um, I mean, I mean, this was a movie, so like you expect an anime movie, even if it's using CG, you expect it to be good. Um, they're not going to fuck up a movie, um, for, for the most part. I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> some, there's some bad examples. There's some examples, but, you know. Um, yeah, I would give... So what, what kind of rating would you give this? I would, I would give this a 9 out of 10. Yeah, yeah, it's probably a 9 out of 10. That's exactly what I would give it, yeah. Um, oh, I, I also want to talk a little bit about the dub really quickly. I, I yes. know it's not like a dub review, but uh, it's this is a dub from Funimation, Uh and, you know, I liked most of the characters. They, they're all right. Uh, I used to love Brina Palencia. She plays uh, the main girl, uh, Natsuki. But uh, she plays the, the main girl in this. And, and I don't know. She was so grating for me. I don't know. Maybe it's the fact that I'm not a huge fan of that character, at least early on to begin with. But she came off very annoying in this dub. Uh, I love her early work in her other anime. Like, I think she played, she was in Beck. She's in Shin-Chan, uh, Negima. She's in a lot of good stuff. She always plays, like, a sarcastic character. And in this one, I mean, I don't think Natsuki is a very sarcastic character at all. I don't know, maybe she was typecast too much, but I, I didn't like her in this because I, I always picture her as more of a sarcastic kind of character, and she came off very annoying in this dub. She just kind of, it didn't work well for me. I, I liked everybody else. Uh, like I said, maybe I'm biased just because I wasn't a huge fan of that character, but I don't know. It, it wasn't one of my favorite dubs. She, especially early on, she just, like, really annoys me, and I'm like... And I love dubs, and and you know Funimation they never have excellent dubs. They're they're called the Funny Factory for a reason. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the, Funimation is the studio known for quantity, not quality. And um, I said this to you the other day, and this is just the, the, yeah, this is one of those examples of and Funimation being the prime example of just quantity, not quality. They they basically dub everything that they license, which I don't understand why they're so insistent on dubbing everything. You don't need to dub everything. Because some shows are so niche that it's not worth it, but they do every they do it anyways. Um, yeah, they just yeah they, they dub everything they they li they license almost everything, and uh, they're at the point where they're even doing simul dubs on some shows these days where they'll they'll dub a show, uh, and it'll be out within a week uh, of the Japanese broadcast. Um, and it's just like, is this really necessary? Is that is that that high of demand for dubs? Because every anime I fan I talk to doesn't watch dubs. I don't know if I'm in. I mean, I'm in a different fandom, and I, you know, idol fandom is much more seiyu focused than uh, dub focused. But um, so I might, my, I might be in a little bit of a tunnel vision there. But I, I don't. Is there really a huge? I don't know. Maybe among people younger. Maybe among younger people. That's, that's what I'm thinking because I'm, I'm, I'm probably 
talking very boomery like <laughs> <laughs> i mean i love dubs i i mostly watch anime dubbed i'm not a big in the subtitle fan so maybe i'm in the minority here and I, I do think there are a lot of people that are big into dubs and uh you know maybe so there there is a definitely fan uh for for dubs especially you know like you said the younger people but but you know there's just some people that just love dubs and are into dubs uh so there is definitely a market there and it does make it more accessible to the average uh, person and like you said maybe younger people too uh, you know so I have no problem with the fact that they dub everything I just wish that they had a higher quality uh, output uh, it's not that their dubs are horrible like it's not like come on like an early 90s dub or an 80s dub where like the acting is bad but it's just so generic so you know sometimes yeah. issues with uh, casting uh, I know that they did the the new loop on the third and it's like their casting made no sense. It's like they got back the guy who used to play, uh, I think it was, uh, I forget which character he used to play, and they cast him in a different role. It's like, well, then why'd you bother to get the guy back? Like, I don't understand your reasoning here. Yeah, it's such a contrast. Like, it seems like some of their casting decisions make no sense. Where I remember uh, back in the uh, late 2000s or mid-2000s, there was this company, well, they, I think they're still around, Bang Zoom Entertainment, and one of the things they always said that they were adamant about is when they made their dub decisions, the, the, their casting decisions, they wanted to get someone who sounded as close to the original Japanese as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, and this this seems like Funimation is just doing whatever. And I, I guess it works for them because they're still in business, so who am I to say anything? But I, I don't know. I just wish they put more, more effort into their dubs. Yeah, and I, I always love dubs. I'm glad someone's out there still dubbing stuff and dubbing even the less popular shows like you said oh maybe people not interested in it is there really a demand for that well i want to see the less popular stuff and i would like to see it dubbed i just wish that they had like you said a, a higher quality uh output you know maybe uh yeah maybe a couple shows they could dub they maybe not dub every single thing and instead focus on putting in more thought behind the casting and and everything uh i know big zoom's still around because they just dubbed uh they just dubbed the new uh, Case Closed movies, so oh, okay. uh, yeah, so they're still around. They're you know they're kicking around. Yep, good for them. They, they were right. they were a company I liked a lot. Yeah. Uh, all right. Um, so I mean, uh, I guess that's about it for Summer Wars, unless you had any closing thoughts on it. Uh, no. I just check it out. It's it's good. It is an, again, it's an essential part of watching more hosts of this library. So uh, and definitely worth. Well, you know, aside from the few slow parts, it is worth two hours of your time. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, it is. A, it is a long movie at yeah, two hours, but it's totally worth it. Uh, especially if you like the girl who left through time. I mean, this is the next step. You got to go to Summer Wars after that. Yep, this was yeah. his next big hit for, after all. Yeah, and we'll be right back after this commercial break. Well, the bacilli are multiplying. That kicks the bone marrow theory in the head. This specimen shows a higher white gout than when I put it on the slide. Those cells are still living, Dr. Mercer, off one another. There has to be an answer. You heard that all communications are ended outside the continental limits? Yes, I heard. That leaves it in our laps. So we keep trying. Where's Cortman? Well, he should be here by now. You two stay on this virus theory until I decide it's exhausted. Right. Yes, sir. Morgan will fill you in. All right, sir. And what did the great man of science have to say today? More of the usual? Oh, he's trying, Ben, just like the rest of us. And nothing works. The streets are swarming with truckloads of bodies that they're throwing into that god-awful pit. 
And the dedicated Dr. Mercer goes on with his plodding, unimaginative approach. You have a better idea? Maybe. At least it involves imagination. Ben, it's as simple as this. An unknown germ is being blown around the world. It's highly contagious and it's reached plague proportions. And you don't believe some of the dead have come back? Now let's get to work. You're insane. The cellar's the safest place. I'm telling you, they can't get in here. And I'm telling you, those things turned over our car. We were damn lucky to get away at all. Now you tell me those, those things can't get through this lousy pile of wood? His wife and kids downstairs. Kids hurt. Well, I still think we're better off up here. We could strengthen everything up, Mr. Cooper. With all of us working, we could fix this place up in no time. We have everything we need up here. We can take all that up downstairs with us. And you're really crazy, you know that? You've got a million windows up here. All these windows, you're gonna, you're gonna make them strong enough to keep these things out, huh? I told you, those things don't have any strength. I smashed three of them and pushed another one out the door. Did you hear me when I told you they turned over our car? Oh, hell, any good five men can do that. That's my point. Only there's not going to be five or even ten. There's going to be twenty, thirty, maybe a hundred of those things. And as soon as they know we're here, this place is going to be crawling with them. Well, if they're that many, they'll probably get us wherever we are. Uh, I guess we'll talk about the uh, other anime. This is the anime that I recommended. Uh, if you didn't notice already, uh, John recommended Summer Wars because it's—I I guess it's not new, but it is a newer anime than the one that I recommended. <laughs> so I recommended um, this anime called Judge. Uh, I believe it came out in. Let me make sure I'm not saying it the wrong year, but I believe it's 1991. It came out. It's a very old anime. Uh, it's an OVA, actually. Yeah, it's an OVA. Let me just make sure. Yeah, it came out in 1991. It's an OVA. Yeah, it's like 48 minutes long. It's uh, not super long. Uh, it, uh, it's a... Uh, let's see how I can explain it. It's definitely one of those manime, ultra-violent, ultra-gory, action-y kind of horror films. Well, you know, OVAs that we used to have back in the day. But along with the ultra-violence, I do think it does have some commentary. There's some depth to it. It's not like Ninja Scroll where it's just let's cut off people's heads and cool stuff. I mean, I love that too. That's fun. Yeah, yeah, that's always good stuff. But uh, it, it has that aspect to it, but it definitely has something to say. And maybe it's not Neon Genesis Evangelion, right? <laughs> it's not <laughs> that. But it has something to say, so I appreciated it. So, I mean, just really quickly, I'll, I'll summarize the plot. Um, in the beginning of the film, there's a Japanese businessman, and he's in South America. Uh, the Japanese, this is obviously, you know, right after the uh, bubble burst in Japan, but, you know, Japanese companies are everywhere all over the world. Uh, he's working out in the uh, jungle there, and he gets killed by supposedly a gorilla. You know, there's always a uh, gorilla warfare down there, you know, drug violence, warfare down in uh, Central and South America. So he was in some country that was dangerous, and he gets killed. Then we we switch to this main character guy. His name is Oma. Uh, am I saying it right? Is it Oma? Uh, yeah, Oma. Yeah, yeah. He plays this uh, generic kind of salaryman kind of guy. Uh, this guy that you know he has kind of a boring, businessy, lower level job. Uh, definitely, this film, by the way, is totally about the salaryman or businessman aspect of Japan and and how important business life is to uh, Japanese men. Uh, but anyway, uh, we switch to him and we follow his his life and his boring drudgery and he doesn't really doesn't really excel at his job. He's always kind of getting yelled at for not doing kind of the right thing and his job does seem kind of boring. 
And uh, he has this really cute girlfriend, and we follow his life there. His girlfriend is Nanase. Uh, she's this really cute girl uh, from also from his job, and always seems to be kind of like helping him out where he screws up and everything. Uh, anyway, you follow along, uh, things get uh, things happen. Um, we learn that uh, when he goes to the funeral of this guy uh, who got killed, it was one of his bosses, and uh, at the funeral, his other boss. Uh, I forgot the what's the other boss's name again? I'm sorry, I'm really bad. Oh, Ka Ka Kamawata. Kama Am I saying that right? Kawam Kawamata. Kawamata. Yes, his other boss, uh, Ka Kawamata. I'm terrible at names, so you have to forgive me. But uh, his other boss, uh, Kawamata, is at the funeral, and he says, you know, uh, to the family, he says, I'm so sorry for your loss. I'm sorry that uh, he got sent to this dangerous place. You know, I used to go there, and it was really dangerous there. And and the wife is like, well, if you know it's dangerous, why did you send him there? And he, and he just doesn't have an answer for her. Like, no answer for her. Later on, um, we find out that this main character, Oma, he is actually, secretly, a vigilante, a uh, supernatural vigilante called Judge. And he goes around and he punishes people who commit crimes in the mortal world but are not being punished by the mortal police for one reason or another. Uh, usually, big fat cat businessmen, white-collar crime, that they, they get away with it. Uh, so he goes around, and he kind of, you know, his face changes. Uh, I believe his parrot, he has a fun-talking parrot, is kind of a part of it. And he has his old book, and it turns out that the judge persona is something that's t uh, passed down off generation to generation. He's just the newest incarnation of this judge. And uh, so he goes around, and he's... Uh, trying to get judgment on these people who actually commit, you know, white-collar crime and get away with it. And so he is going around uh, trying to punish people. He gets the hint, possibly, that the other boss, Kahamata, I'm terrible with it, might have had something to do with the death of the boss who died in South America. And so, uh, being the judge, right, he's going to try to enact some punishment against this guy. But then, all of a sudden, while he's doing this, the executive, Kawamata, his boss, he gets protected by this defense attorney, this mythical supernatural defense attorney. And he comes out of nowhere and he's like, who are you to judge these people? Are you God? Like, why can you judge these people? Do you really know that he's guilty? And so throughout the whole film, you don't really know whether Kawamata really killed his bought his uh his friend the other executive and the reason why people think that he might have had something to do with it is because for his career for his job they were both the best friends but they were also rivals a little bit in uh the same corporation and you know if that guy's killed that guy's no longer around well maybe this executive can get you know a next another bonus maybe he can get a promotion maybe he'll get that corner office you know so i mean the whole film is kind of about I think it puts together this whole salaryman aspect of Japan, especially of the, the late 80s, early 90s. And this idea of, and it definitely brings it up, this, this uh, you know, jurisprudence idea of, like, mankind's, like, we have to punish people if they commit crime, right? And, and, and if they get off of, uh, if they, they, they do something terrible, shouldn't there be some type of a justice, right? And uh, so I, I won't get into spoilers yet. Uh, I just, is there anything you want to say that's not spoilery yet? Uh, no, just, uh, you really summed it up pretty well. I just, you mentioned the parrot earlier, and I'm just thinking back to when the parrot's, uh, parroting back these sex noises that the girlfriend makes. Oh my god, yes, <laughs> that, that I one love scene. that. I was like, that, that was hilarious. 
<laughs> and she's like, shut up, shut up, you stupid parrot. <laughs> yes, that's part of my, that's one of my favorite aspects of the film, actually, is the relationship between Nanase and Oma and the parrot. And yes, I think I, I did review this anime years ago on my blog, and I said, yeah, one of the funniest things is him and his girlfriend are having sex. And obviously, this is an early 90s uh, OVA, so you got to have a sex scene in there. But I didn't feel it felt forced. <laughs> it it no. didn't feel that forced because, you know, they're boyfriend and girlfriend. So what are they going to do, right? No, no, not like the not like the last 90s movies we talked about. <laughs> or 80s. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it wasn't uh, forced in there. This, yeah, yeah, this is, this is more natural. But, uh... And then the parrot has to repeat all the sexual noises they make. And she's like, you said, shut up, shut up. And it's like the next morning, it's like, we're done with it already. And the carrot's still going on. I love that. Yeah, I thought that was very funny. And you get the hint that the parrot is kind of a supernatural parrot. It's kind of smarter than a real parrot. So it knows what it's doing. It's, it's riling her up. Yeah. The only thing I would add, which is you kind of said earlier, is just like, it, it's kind of cheesy, like, how, oh, this this guy's the judge, and he's like, he's giving everyone their come comeuppance, and it's like, well, but that was also just a very 90s thing at the time, to, to have uh, kind of a thin plot where, oh, this this guy, this, this is just what he is. No backstory or anything, we don't need to, we don't need to explain shit, that's just what he is. It's just really quickly, it's like one throwaway line, it's like, oh, you know, uh, this is passed down from generation to generation. That's it, okay, let's move on, forget about worrying about what the hell a judge is or anything like that. Yeah, I feel like they could have they could have done so much more with this series, I don't know why they decided to only do make it a 48 minute OVA. It's like, th there is a fair amount of world building in this in this OVA, then they, then they could have done so much more with it. And like, make this guy like, kind of a, I don't know, like a superhero, I guess, I guess, or an anti-hero, really, but, um... I don't know. I don't know why they just kind of just did this and then threw it away. Yeah, it just kind of sits there. <laughs> would have been, like, really, been nice to see more. It really could have. That's that was my exact opinion of this. I feel it really could have been like a TV series or maybe an OVA series. Like maybe they could have been a six-part series or something and expand on this universe. So uh, to get into a little bit more spoily territory now, this defense attorney will defend Kahamata. He will defend him. Um, they're going to have a trial, a supernatural trial. And we're going to see if Kahamata is really guilty or innocent or not. And they're going to have witnesses and they're going to have supernatural battles and fighting and all this <laughs> stuff. And yeah, it is definitely very corny and cheesy in some aspects. Yeah, I just love how like all the like the the, the ten kings they, oh, they just show up. We don't need to explain them either. They they just they just exist. And they're, we're going to have a court now. It's it's so very nineties, and I just it's charming in a way. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I love it. It's like they show up out of nowhere, total OVA. Like we don't need any explanation. This is just a thing that is in this world. Don't worry about it. We're not going to explain like the two hour backstory about why they exist or who the hell they are. They're just there. <laughs> and yeah, the one thing that I really bothers this is this is my number one complaint about this anime is he's called the judge, and yes, he does bear judge on like witness on these people, and he's going to judge them. Like you know, he's always trying to punish people who he thinks is guilty but he doesn't really know for certain all right that's why they call him the judge but then when they go to court he acts more like a prosecutor than a judge <laughs> yeah i don't know if judge was really the right title for this show but that, that might have just been a a case of just the the, the author not knowing a, a better word for it in english so <laughs> yeah that might that might be it might be because the japanese title is is jaji which is just means judge so you know it's it's clear like the author just made it, just wanted to, because it, it was the, at the time and, and still today, it's the cool thing to is to title your things in English. So that's just what he wanted to go for. So could have used a better name, but whatever. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna rag on him too hard. Uh, but uh, you know, besides that, you know, like I said, like I feel he's more of a prosecutor. So maybe that was 
lost in translation. And besides the corniness of it, uh, I, I love that, especially the defense attorney is a very interesting guy. Because like I said, during the whole film, we really don't know if the executive, if Kahamata, if he's really guilty or not. And by the way, I love the character design of Kahamata. I don't know if you, if you like that. The executive? Uh, you mean the lawyer? No, not the defense attorney. He looks like, what's the Catholic movie where the exorcist, he looks like the exorcist. Oh, I haven't seen the exorcist. Yeah, he looks like one of the priests in the exorcist. No, I do love that. But no, the executive Kahamata, he's got these eyes that look like bugs. Oh, yes. 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 I was like, when I first saw his eyes, I was like, what the fuck? Does anybody, has anybody said anything to this guy that his eyes are fucking weird? <laughs> <laughs> yes. So everybody else in the anime, I have to bring up the point. Every single other character in the anime looks realistic. They look like a real human being. It's not going for like some crazy anime faces. Like it's not doing like a one piece kind of thing. They're, they're realistic looking. I guess the, 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 the word is manime, you know, that old style. Like, <laughs> yes. But it's realistic looking, and then you got this fucking boss here who's got eyes that are like giant bugs, and it doesn't make any sense. So I don't know where that came yeah. from. Yeah, but... <laughs> his, his eyes are huge, even by anime standards. It's it's just it's it's so off putting at first, and I'm just like, okay, whatever. I'm just letting this slide. It's the '90s, whatever, whatever. Yeah. They do what they want. <laughs> but I, I came to uh, I came to like it. I came to find it endearing towards the end. I'm like, oh, yeah. this is a cool looking guy now. All right. Right, yeah. Um, so anyway, uh, as the show builds, uh, it builds up to, like I said, that court case. And the court case is definitely the highlight of the film. It's super exciting. Uh, the judge versus the defense attorney. Very powerful stuff. It kind of felt like Phoenix Wright. Like, objection! You know? Sustained! You know? Total Phoenix Wright kind of <laughs> idea going on there. Although I guess Phoenix Wright came out much later. I, I, I love some of the, like things that uh the, the defense attorney says like only god can be the judge of man's behavior and you know who are you to judge these people like you don't really know that they're guilty or not and i, I think we can relate this kind of like the stuff that's going on now like i said this internet vigilanteism like everyone feels like you gotta punish people who are bad and i understand that but then on the other hand what happens if they're innocent like we need to have a fair trial to prove that they are really guilty or innocent. Like, you can't just go and be like, well, it certainly looks like this guy killed him, so let's just fucking punish him. Like, you can't do yeah. that. Like, that's not fair. Yeah, there, there needs to be some kind of due process. Even even in the internet, I, I, know, I know it's not a courthouse, but if you're going to ruin potentially ruin someone's life, there needs to be some form of due process. Because what if it's not, what if there's more context to it? Exactly. What what if it's not true? What if there's more context? What if it's making taken out of context? So I mean, I, I think that in that way, it's it's very relevant. It's like you know, and also it brings up these jurisprudence or legal philosophy ideas of like, like I said, it's kind of a deep movie in some aspects. Like, why should we defend people? Why or maybe like the judge would say like, you don't need to defend these people. I know they're guilty. I can tell that they're guilty. There's a lot of like meta thinking about like like I said, mankind's obsession with you know justice and. Uh, like I said, some of the other lines that the, the lawyer says, the defense attorney says, like, who are we to decide what is right or wrong? What arrogance is this that allows us to pass judgment on another? It kind of, kind of like the judge character versus this defense attorney kind of reminds me of like, again, it's a stretch, but Kira versus Light in Death Note. Like, Light is so sure of himself. Like, I'm passing judgment on these people. I know they're bad. And Kira's like, well, justice, what about due process? And that whole thing. So it, it has that same kind of aspect there to it. And you could see both points of view, and, and, and they do make a lot of sense. So the ending is super exciting. I mean, that is the highlight. I love the, the court case. Uh, of course, being a court case, you gotta have a witness. So they bring out the star witness, the dead man, the dead executive comes back, and... 
He's going to give his uh, witness testimony about, does he think, the executive Komata, does he think that his best friend killed him? And he goes, no. He says, my best friend, uh, he would never have done that. I liked him. He liked me. Yes, we had a rivalry, but he, I don't believe that he killed me. And this is the dead guy saying it. So it seems like, okay, home run. Judge is wrong. The judge went, you know, he just like, uh, he judged too quickly, right? Yeah, I thought that was a nice twist how the guy was like, I, I remember, you know, it kind of sucks that, he, that I'm dead, but I don't know if he killed me. <laughs> so, exactly. Yeah. And he's like, I don't think you should punish him. I don't think he's guilty. I don't think he would do it. Uh, it was just guerrilla warfare. I was in a dangerous place. So that's a huge twist. It's like, oh boy, it's not Omahata, Kakamata. It's not him. It's not the executive. He didn't do it. But of course, being that supernatural 90s anime, for some reason, some unexplained mirror appears. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> this scene also kind of bugged me a little bit. But the scene depicts his true soul. And the defense attorney did a really good job of defending him. And then all of a sudden, he walks too closely to some mirror, which is never explained. And the mirror depicts his real true soul. And actually, yes, Kohamata did have him killed. He paid these guerrilla warfare people or whatever they were in South America to kill his, technically his best friend, to kill him just for his career, which is really, I don't know, a shitty thing to do. Like, that's really horrible. Yeah. I think when the mirror showed up, that was like the one point where it was like, okay, 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 Judge, I've, I've let you slide on a lot of things so far. But this mirror thing, first of all, like, if they always had this mirror, why didn't they just, why don't they just use it for every case? Like, yes. seriously, it's it, it, it's like you have a lie detector, a foolproof lie detector for everything. Just, why don't you just bring that out from the start? Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm just like, okay, this thing is such a, such a convenient plot device for it to come out at this very moment. And just just to, for just to make it so that this guy gets his comeuppance, I was just like, that, this felt really weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the one point where I'm like, okay, 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 show you're 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 really you're really testing my patience here. <laughs> but whatever. Yeah, <laughs> it's not yeah. a bad sh- it's not a bad show. I did enjoy it, but it's just like that's the point where I'm just like, okay, I'm done. <laughs> good, yeah. It's a good thing the show's all, it's a good thing it's, there's only a few minutes left at this point. Yeah, so uh, t- taking that out and and you know. Uh, the, the rest of it was was really good. It's, it's such a weird plot device. Unnecessary, I think. I don't know. Maybe they could have came up with a better way of showing that, yeah, actually, he was guilty besides the stupid mirror thing. Like like you said, if the mirror existed, why are we even having a court case here? Just have the mirror tell us, okay, did he do it or not? Like, what the hell's going on? <laughs> yeah, I mean, they could have they done so many things. They could have, like, maybe had some evidence show up. Like, maybe, uh, uh, I, let's, let's see, this was the 90s. So maybe, like, a, a message that, a file in his computer that maybe outed him. Something, yeah, exactly. Some like kind of evidence showed up that would have proven his guilt uh, instead of a magic mirror. <laughs> yeah, a check could have been written, right? That, you know, he paid those people money, right? Checks in the 90s, a big deal. He gave the check to those guerrilla people. Well, why the hell did you pay them $10,000? Oh, yeah. Probably yeah. to kill him. Yep. <laughs> you know, something like that would have made more sense. But I don't know about you, but I loved the very ending scene uh, when the judge and the defense attorney are both sitting in, I guess it's like a, a restaurant or something, and I, I, they're, they're looking at each other, and the judge is no longer in his judge persona. He is back in his regular uh, Omaha, Omaha uh, persona, his salaryman kind of, you know, regular everyday kind of guy, and he's with his girlfriend, and yet he notices the exorcist-looking the exorcist looking defense attorney guy, and they kind of have this, like, mental, you know, boom, 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 like they're kind of talking in mental, like, telepathy, I guess. Uh, and... I love that kind of like, at, in the beginning, they were very antagonistic. They, they definitely were against each other. But by the end, 
after, yes, um, uh, the uh, executive gets his comeuppance, um, they, they, these two people, they, I think they both kind of learn from each other. Like, the judge kind of learned, well, you know, you can't, mustn't be too hasty because maybe people, you know, you that look like they're guilty, there might be more to the story. And I think the defense attorney kind of learned, well, you know what? You shouldn't defend scumbags because <laughs> they're scumbags. <laughs> right uh so i feel like everyone kind of uh gets a nice lesson there and at the end they're both kind of on the same page and they're like yeah we're gonna be like maybe rivals but like a friendly rivalry and like i said i feel like i i enjoy that rivalry between the two of them i like where they kind of ended up at and like i said i feel this could have been a tv show or maybe a, a, a like a six-part ova like there could have been like okay who's the next guy that the judge is gonna judge and, uh, you know, what's the story with the parrot? Because I want to know more about the fucking parrot. And I love the relationship with Nanase. That is the absolute best part is the main character, Oma's relationship with his girlfriend. It's so cute. It's so cool. It's very realistic. Like, she's always helping him out at work. But then when he's in the judge persona, he does take advantage of her. Like, really, man? Are you going to manipulate the one person, at least in this, in this OVA, who actually likes you as a person? He manipulates her to get the executive into this trial in the first place. And that's kind of a scummy thing to do. So I, I, I want to see more about that. And of course, it just kind of ends. Yeah, and you're kind of led to believe that Nanase doesn't know about the, this hidden identity of his. So it would have been cool to, to maybe see an arc where she discovers that and uh, how she reacts to that. Yeah, exactly. So I feel there's so much more they could have done with this concept. Uh, they could have dropped the whole mirror thing. And there's a lot more that could have came up. And uh, this one final point about it. There are some horror scenes. There are some things that are haunting the executive or the other people that judge judges, and he does some really terrible things. And it's very '90s horror esque. Uh, and monsters appear, and there's like you know bugs and everything, and creepy blood and gore. And I think that they did a really nice job with that. Uh, the animation and artwork looks really cool. It is kind of scary. It does its job. It's got the ultra-violent, action-y kind of aspect to it going on, and it does a good job with that. And like I said, it's got the maybe social commentary or jurisprudence or legal philosophy, you know, this idea of, you know, we got to defend people, but what happens if they're like a scumbag? Like, what do you do? Like, everyone needs a fair trial, but what happens if they're like a terrible person? Like, I just brought this up on Twitter the other day. Like, they actually had Nazis, you know, we know that they murdered like, what, six million plus people, but they still gave them a fair trial, right? You know, so everyone apparently is deserving of a fair trial, even horrible people. So. Yep. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, that's about it. Oh, yeah, I just wanted to say also the uh, the artwork's really nice. Uh, the animation's pretty good. Uh, the backgrounds, I feel, are kind of plain. They didn't really have a lot of detail into the backgrounds. Yeah, it's not, it's, so I was, I was going to say, there's um, for, for people who are like have only seen newer anime for maybe like the past decade, um, the, the this is a very, very indicative of anime that came out at the time. It has a that very 90s, gritty anime look to it. Um so it might be a little off-putting for people who, who are, you know, are only used to newer stuff. But uh, don't let that be a reason to avoid it. It's it's still enjoyable, and it, like I said, it's only forty-eight minutes. What have you got to lose? Um, it's it's yeah, it's it's worth. I, what streaming sites have it? Um, I I don't think anybody does. You got to buy the DVD on Amazon, yeah, but it was like seven dollars or something like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's cheap. So <laughs> I would recommend I would recommend it if you have the time and money. You know, if you want something. Something real simple to check out, go for it. Yeah, I don't think it's licensed from anyone anymore. Uh, Central Park Media brought it up. Uh, 
they had it dubbed in uh, London. Uh, again, it's another one of those Michael Bakewell dubs. Uh, so it's such an old anime. I don't think anyone's going to stream this. This is just so forgotten. Uh, but the DVD is readily available. Uh, the old CPM uh, DVD. I like the dub. Uh, I love Ian Taylor as Oma. I'm not really a, a big fan of his voice he puts on when he's the judge. But it's, it's kind of got that whole... Uh, you know, like in the Batman movies, uh, where Batman would do that deep voice, like, oh, where's the Joker? He kind of does that kind of thing to disguise his voice. Nice, yeah, I, I didn't watch the dub, the, the version I got didn't have the dub, unfortunately. Um, so I watched it subbed, um, so I, can, okay. I can't say much for the dub. All but right. the, I mean, I guess the Japanese voice acting seemed alright, didn't, didn't seem anything abnormal, the only thing was that was really off-putting for me was the guy's eyes like what the, again like like we said earlier like this guy's got these huge bulging eyes it's just like what the it seems very out of place even even for uh, the anime came coming out at that time it's just like what the hell what were they thinking yeah, anyway so I'm, I'm going off into the tangent <laughs> it's it's so weird it's very off-putting at first the first time i watched this i just couldn't take my eyes off his eyes <laughs> But anyway, I, I, I did like the dub a lot. It's a Michael Bakewell, 1990s, London, manga UK dub. Uh, I wasn't a huge fan of the, the voice he puts on when he becomes the judge, but otherwise it's excellent. Uh, well, not excellent, but otherwise pretty good. Uh, Peter Whitman, probably the best part of the dub by far. He plays Kahamata, that boss, the executive with the bug eyes. He plays him. He's actually a real actor. He was in like Little Shop of Horrors and Superman. Uh, uh, I remember him as the, the guy, uh, Chaplin from uh, Dominion Tank Police, but he's a real actor and he does an awesome job at making this guy seem slimy, but I don't know, maybe he's just an executive and all those executives are kind of slimy. I don't know, did he really do it or not? So, and uh, and I like Nanase. Uh, she was played by uh, Barbara Barnes. Uh, yeah, she does sound a little British at times because she's a British actress, uh, but I actually loved her in the role. I love her voice. She really fits the character. She makes her cute. And yes, the parrot. I don't know who plays the parrot, but oh my God, <laughs> so funny. <laughs> <laughs> yep. so i mean that's about it about judge just so i want to say like i said i think the dvd is like seven bucks and on amazon so if you want to buy it it's totally worth it uh, it's yeah it's only 40 something minutes long but it's like come on you can't you can't go wrong with it it's fun it's actiony it's uh it's cool it's uh very it's deep in a way it's not like uh you know, Neon Genesis or Kino's Journey Deep, but it's, it's got substance to it as well, and it's fun. So i say give it a look. Uh, what are you going to lose, 40-something minutes of your day? Come on, it's not bad. Yep, not that bad. So, yeah. Yeah, so I mean, that's about it that I have to say about Judge. Uh, I don't know of anything else that you wanted to say about it. No, I think we covered uh, all bases, so... All right. Well, uh, yeah, so that's about it, guys. Uh, thank you all for uh, listening uh, to episode two. Uh, Judge was a very interesting anime. I think everyone should check it out. And, of course, Summer Wars is uh, awesome as well. Uh, I think uh, give them both a watch. Uh, and that's about it. So have a nice one, everybody, and we'll see you uh, next time we record. Uh, thank you, and that's about a wrap. Have a good night, and we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you.